Hello, my loves. Welcome back to Love, Sex and Magic. So excited for this episode all about discovering your dharma with the queen of dharma, Sahara Rose. Ooh, I love this. Me and Sahara have wanted to do this episode together for so long and I'm so excited to finally sit down and have this conversation with her for everyone listening. So Sahara Rose is a best-selling author and host of the Highest Self podcast called A Leading Voice for the Millennial Generation into the New Paradigm Shift by Deepak Chopra, who wrote the foreword of her books. She is the founder of Dharma Coaching Institute and wrote the best-selling book, Discover Your Dharma, which is exactly what we are going to explore and dive into today. If you have always known that you are here for something greater than what you are currently doing right now, this episode is for you. Sahara Rose, my dear, beautiful sister, welcome to Love, Sex and Magic. Oh girl, I'm so excited to be here today. I am so excited. It feels like this has been such a long time coming because you are one of my dearest, closest sisters and we also live in the same building and yes. we're finally making this happen. Yes, it's so meant to be. I'm surrounded by beautiful depictions of naked women and I feel so at home here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you are so at home here. I mean, first of all, just want to say thank you so much much um just for who you are for mm. your sisterhood and deep friendship to me especially mm. since I moved to Miami I'm so mm. grateful for you mm. I'm so grateful you exist and I'm so inspired by everything you're doing in the world thank you for mm. moving here I was just so excited when <laughs> it actually happened I'm like wait and then you manifested the same building and it's just been such a year and mm. so excited for all the years to come. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So there are so many things that you do, Sahara. You are such a powerhouse, such an incredible creator, creatrix. But something that you're really known for is helping people discover their dharma. So let's start with what does dharma mean? Mm -hmm. And is it something that you believe is laid out for people in a soul contract kind of way? Or is it something that we can kind of control and navigate by ourselves mm. along the way? Yeah. So the word dharma really means your soul's purpose in Sanskrit, which is the Vedic system that yoga, Ayurveda, Vedic meditation all come from. So really the understanding is that each and every one of us was born with a unique purpose. And that purpose is not just one job or role or project, but it's our unique vibration. I see it as the energetic frequency that only you can emit. And that translates to everything that you do, every conversation you have, every interaction, everything that you create, that really is your dharma. So if you think about the universe like a giant jigsaw puzzle, every single one of us, when we're fully activated, when we're fully awakened, we play a role in that jigsaw puzzle to allow humanity to thrive. So it's both. It is a unique, specific frequency that you carry, but it can take so many different shapes and forms and it mm. shifts throughout your life. So I do believe that we do have specific soul contracts with with projects or books or things that we're meant to channel. And then we can also feel when that contract is done and it's ready to move to the next thing. Mm, yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. Is it like would you say that someone finding their life purpose is like when they've kind of found it, it's like, haha, now it all makes sense? Or is it something that can shift and evolve like from one career to the next? Mm -hmm. 
So I believe that there are different stages of it. So the first stage of understanding your dharma is just to have self-awareness that there's something more. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. maybe you're realizing that you're living the same day again and again and again at the job. You're not using your gifts. You don't really have anything you're excited for. You're just kind of living for the sake of the weekend or shopping or dating or whatever else. So you have just that self-awareness of, I see the trajectory that my life is taking and I don't like it. Something Mm -hmm. needs to shift. That brings us to stage two, which is self-improvement, which is where most of the personal development, self-growth world is at. So that's all about how can I optimize myself? How can I meditate to have a better mind? How can I get more fit? How can I have better nutrition? How can I become my best self? Mm. And this is also a very important stage because we do get to look at our nutrition and habits and all of that, but it's not the end either. So in this self-improvement stage, we start to realize that I'm not just a mind and a body to improve, but rather I'm a soul to know. And there was nothing really wrong with me. It's just I didn't know the full picture of who I am. Mm. So let me start to learn more about myself. And that brings us into stage three, which is the spiritual awakening. So that's when you start to realize, wow, there is so much more to this world, to myself, than I could have ever imagined before. And that can be really overwhelming. You know, there's so many different tools and pathways out there from the plant medicine path, the Buddhist path, the Tantra path, the this, the that. So it can kind of feel like you're like in Disney World of like, where am I supposed to go next? And you're unlearning so much. Hmm. So, so much of what you've been taught of like, this is how life is supposed to go. This is how relationships go. You're, You're unlearning. So the spiritual awakening can be a very confronting stage. And it also can be a stage that creates separation. Mm. Sometimes you see on social media, it's like, we got to wake up the sheeple, you know, and it can be very like, we are awake and you are asleep. So how do I make you like me? And Mm -hmm. it can have this chaotic energy to it as well, Mm because we're not meant to only just stay there either. Mm. We're meant to take certain tools and practices and dive into them. Mm. So that brings us to stage four, Dharma development. So that's when you start to find your own way of doing things. Maybe you're really into Abraham Hicks and manifestation. You start to dive deeper into that. Maybe you're into the plant medicine path, into Vedic spirituality. Maybe you're into architecture, nutrition, interior design. There's so many pathways, but you start to really dive into mastery and understanding something and being a student of it. Mm. So in that, you're understanding why things are the way that they are based off of former teachers and creations, but you might not know what's my unique take on things yet. Mm. So for people at this stage, you might be like, I know about this, I know about that, but I don't really know what's my thing. What am I really bringing to the table? How do I express it? So you go through the process of trial and error. You start to learn. You say, these tools really worked for me. How do I say it in my own way? Or I'm, I had these life experiences. How do I now take it to my unique demographic, former versions of myself? So we start to develop the Dharma here. And then that mm. brings us finally into stage five, which is Dharma embodiment. So that is really when the inner and outer you are the same. Mm. There is no separation. It's not like who I am at my job, which is this one person, and then who I am outside of it, which is listening to this podcast and, you know, learning about these things. It's when you actually get to integrate the two. Mm -hmm. So your dharma is you being you full time. And your dharma is something that's so much greater than you. So all of the things that were holding you back, such as maybe friendships that were not serving you, relationships, homes, they need to shift yeah, because it's going to hold you back from you playing the role that you're here to play in humanity. So there, it, there's a huge level of up-leveling that happens with embodying your dharma. 
So when you've reached there, you can feel the difference of like, I can truly say that I am using my gifts on a daily basis and what I'm doing in the world is irreplaceable. But that doesn't mean that this aspect of your dharma is forever going to be what you do every day. But once Mm. you've tasted and felt what it's like to live your dharma, you kind of can't go back. You know, it's Mm. very hard to be like, and now I'm going to go get a desk job that I hate. You know, it's like, you realize you're a tiger. You just got out of the cage. So you're, oh, it's, you're, you speak the language now. So you start Mm. to find, oh, now I'm feeling trapped in this cage. Like both of us were really into health and nutrition Mm -hmm. and we wrote books on that. And then it starts to feel like a cage. So we continue to move and shift and evolve. So most people, when they do step into living their dharma, they continue to. It just takes different shapes. Yeah, that's great. That's exactly how I feel, you know. Mm -hmm. I feel like – because when I was doing the food stuff, I felt like, wow, this is my purpose. Right. I'm meant to do this. This is fully how it feels. And then that's evolved. Mm -hmm. And even where I'm at now, I feel like there's more. There's more coming. I know that stepping into motherhood is going to be part of my purpose Mm -hmm. and everything that – is created from that Mm -hmm. different projects that I can like feel in the future that are going to be me stepping into a different version of myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then that's another aspect of me living my dharma Mm -hmm. okay so it's not necessarily like if I have that then it doesn't mean that I'm living my dharma now you are doing you are doing your purpose through all of it it's just you shift your soul contract shifts who you are your astrology all of these things we're in a constantly moving planet so I think Mm. even tying yourself to one thing and saying it's your purpose is actually disillusion in itself yeah and it's such a good time right now for this message because we can create businesses and careers from being ourselves. But I'm sure you have people that come to you and read your books that it's not their path to create a personal brand or to be this kind of personality where they're sharing all of their lives on Mm -hmm. podcasts and interviews and in books. And it's actually something very different. Totally. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be something like, like you said, like being an architect or being Mm -hmm. in dentistry. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like with people that um, speak to you about this, about your book, about your work, do you feel like there's almost like a, almost like a, well, I should go into coaching then, or Mm. I should go into having a personal brand, Mm -hmm. even though that's not necessarily for everyone. Yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you that it can't be for everyone because who's going to create the beautiful backdrops like this and who's going to take care of our gardens. And there's someone who genuinely their highest point of excitement is that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we think, oh, well, who would want to, you know, do this thing? But there's actually, there are people out there who love to clean. There are people out there who love to organize. It's not me. People who love tech. It's not me, Mm -hmm. but it's that person who's meant to bring those gifts out into the world. So I would say that a lot of people who find my work tend to be drawn to spirituality and psychology and they're the friend that people come to whenever they have a problem and they Mm -hmm. were probably like the therapist of their friend group maybe even their parents growing up so they do Mm -hmm. tend to have a lot of qualities that would make one interested in coaching but Mm -hmm. then I have people who for example Um, one funny story is my friend's uncle was an engineer his entire life. He never did anything besides engineering in his fifties. And the corporation that he worked at said they had to choose a random extracurricular. So he looked through all of them. He's like, Oh, I really don't want to do this. Just randomly chooses pottery. So he goes, he puts his hands on that pottery wheel, which we went, we went to a (laughs) class and he's like, I love the feeling of my hands on this clay. This is so amazing. 
I need to do this more often. Mm. So he made time and he did it the next week. And then he said, can I come here every day? And he started to come every day. And he started to make plates and bowls and pots. And then the people at his office are like, can we buy these from you? He's like, sure. <laughs> so he starts selling them to people at his office. And then mm. he's realizing, wait, I'm meant to be a potter. Mm. And he's a potter now, a full-time potter. And just the first half of his life was being an engineer. And now he's he's Harry Potter, you know? And it just kind of <laughs> shows what's possible for you when you say yes. And I say there's always three pathways to Dharma. His is an example of the accidental. Mm. He wasn't really looking for it and it found him. Mm. However, he said yes to it as well. He could have also said, oh, my hands feel so good on this pottery wheel, but I don't have time for this. This doesn't make money. This isn't going to get me anywhere. And just forgotten about it. And this entire evolution of his life wouldn't have happened. So I believe mm. we all have accidental dharmas knocking on our doors, waiting for us to say yes. It's just, are we going to listen to them? Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like there are clues, you know, often in our childhood. Mm -hmm. You know, when we look back to like Little Mel, Little Sahara, mm -hmm. The things that we were doing that just yeah. came so natural to us that just mm -hmm. lit us up from the inside are now woven into our lives mm -hmm. in some perfect, mysterious way. Oh, totally. Can you share like more about your journey of how you found your dharma? Yeah. So as a child, I was, well, first of all, when I wrote what I wanted to do when I grew up, I said, I want to help dolphins find their purpose. That was literally oh my, my so pathway. And like dolphins deserve to know their purpose too, okay? Babe, you'll get there. Yeah. So basically everyone listening to this is my dolphin and I'm helping you. So so there's a market for helping dolphins find their purpose still, I know. babe. Don't I mean, give up on that. There's dolphin birth centers. So the next iteration yeah. is Dharma. <laughs> dolphin Dharma coaching. That's what I'm calling it. That's happening. It. It's so, still it's still possible. So something within me as a child knew. And as a child, I was very into spirituality and I grew up near Salem, Massachusetts. So I would go to Salem and learn about the witch trials mm. and I would actually practice witchcraft and make spells and salute to the four directions. And I was so immersed in this world until the kids at school one day, I was walking across this hill and a group of kids, they were afraid of me. They hated me because they said I was a witch and they, one boy threw me down the hill and as he threw me down the hill, he came tumbling after me and he had on one of those like metal casts that you can walk on and it hit my head and it gave me a concussion. Wow. So I passed out, I'm rolling down this hill and I wake up and I can still remember this on the bottom of the hill and just hearing all of the kids laughing at me. So I had to just get myself up. No one was there to help me and walk to the principal's office and I was just crying and I was just like, I, I need to go home. And my mom didn't really know what to do or say, so she didn't really say anything. And the next day when I went back into school, they said, you know what? You and your friends are scaring all the kids and you're not allowed to talk to each other anymore. So nothing wrong with what the kids did. It was my fault. So after that, I realized it's not safe for me to be magical. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do anything or talk or think about spirituality for at least 15 years after that. Mm -hmm. So... It just shows as a child, you're like expressed and you want to do these things until something happens that makes you feel like you're not safe, that makes you feel like people are going to come against you. And then you forget. And I went on this other pathway, which was part of my purpose too, going into human rights and Amnesty International and immigrant 
um, associations because my parents were immigrants who escaped the war and revolution from Iran. So I became just obsessed with how do I save the world? Mm. And that became my pathway until I went through really bad health problems in college, which brought me on the journey of self-healing, which brought me on the journey of, oh, how do I save the world if I can't even heal myself? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you need that. You need to be brought to your knees to really come back to, we can't project what we want in the world if we don't embody that ourselves. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. I actually have like some really similar stories about like the witchy side of me. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to collect crystals and tarot cards and light we incense. We were in Salem in a past life. Yes. <laughs> and and I was at obsessed the with the Salem witch trials when yeah. I learned about them. I was mm-hmm. like, I need to read more about this. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I had like, I had uh, this bedroom that had like a bay window Mm. and I stuck like this tie-dye cloth to the ceiling and like cornered off the window area. Mm. And that became like my meditation, like witchy den. I love it. And I I put like a cushion there and I was like listening to these tracks and I couldn't like the magazines that I was buying were like mind, body, spirit and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even really understand what I was reading, Yeah, but I just like collected the crystals and the, and the cards and I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just like, I just We're liked like channeling being around our it. past lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I remember, and I was obsessed with Zodiacs, obsessed with mm-hmm. like getting my horoscope, mm-hmm. reading that. I used to like sneak into the computer room and like read my horoscope at lunch. And then I remember there was a boy that I liked and he thought it was really uncool. Mm. He thought it was, he was like, I was so embarrassed that he found out that I was looking at horoscopes. Mm. And then I remember you know, suddenly all of that meditation stuff, all those crystals Mm -hmm. just disappeared. And I replaced them with hair straighteners, gossip magazines, Mm. celebrity magazines, makeup, you know, all of the things that I thought would make me a girly girl Mm. that was attractive to boys at high school. And that spiritual mystical side of me Mm -hmm. was just like, bye-bye. And it took a while to come back to it. Mm -hmm. And eventually... We get to recover that side of us. And it's like, oh, yeah, that all makes sense. That was originally there. Yeah. And it's going to be so beautiful with your own son and witnessing just these children being raised who can be themselves. And they don't Mm -hmm. have to go through this process of forgetting. I believe all of us, we come to earth and we forget. We Mm -hmm. agree to the temporary amnesia of forgetting the radiance and all of the possibilities and all of the past lives and all of the memories and all of the karma that we came with, we need to forget for us to remember again. But imagine if we could start from where we were as children without having to go through all of the trauma on top of it. Completely. Yeah. Like just being raised like to to hone in on our unique gifts. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is just our our culture, you know, it's not mm-hmm. necessarily like our parents' fault or or any anyone's yeah. fault. It's just the way that we are conditioned of like what's cool or what's not. We mm-hmm. want to fit in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But luckily we're with conversations like this, you know, mothers listening to this and people listening to this, it's able to come more into the mainstream that being a witch is not considered this like evil thing, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm a witch. Like, what are you? Mm-hmm. Are you a wizard? Mm-hmm. And we can just rock our spiritual selves. And at the same time, I'm so grateful for all of those obstacles that came before me, my, my health issues, my issues with my, with my family, my dad disowning me, like all of those things, because they allowed me to cultivate 
the belief in myself when no one else believed in me. Mm, Beautiful. So let's say someone's listening to this and they are deep in our worlds. Mm -hmm. They're doing all these different healing modalities. They're getting deep into like personal development. They're journaling, but they're still like living a career path or living a life that's like, I know this is not me, but I just don't know what it is. And I'm Mm. almost like overwhelmed by all of the options. Yeah. What is like the first step for them? Mm. So the first step I'd start with is understanding your Dharma archetype. So there are nine Dharma archetypes that I've come up with. People can take a free quiz on Mm dharmaarchetypequiz.com. So when we have no idea what our purpose is, it can be hard to even think about what are my gifts? What am I good at? It's kind of like, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm not really special at anything. I know I used to even think that about myself. I thought like certain people are like Justin Bieber and they have a purpose and the rest of us mere mortals, we just got to (laughs) like deal with it, just get a job, you know? So start with understanding your Dharma archetype. So out of the nine of them, for example, I'll start with some of yours that I see in you. The visionary. So the visionary is here to channel the vision. They are here to use the gift of their voice to inspire people, to bring people to a higher level perspective, to show Mm. people what's possible. So visionaries are often not even liked in their lifetime. I mean, look at Martin Mm. Luther King and all these different people. I have a dream. They're like, no, you can't have that dream. That's that's mm. too much. Mm. So being the visionary is almost seeing what's possible for the collective in the future and holding that vision and using your gifts of communication to express that. Ooh. So you I definitely, definitely resonate that with one. that. Yes. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> yes. So the second one, and I have that one as well. And the second one that I think we both have is the teacher. Mm-hmm. So the teacher is here to impart knowledge. So that knowledge may be spirituality, but it may be history. It could be nutrition, womb wisdom, architecture, really anything. You just love teaching things. You love being in front of a group of people and like, here's the information. I want to share it with you. So if you're someone that really comes alive or maybe as a kid when you were studying for a test, if you were teaching it to someone else that helped you learn it, mm. chances are you have that teacher archetype. And every single one of these has their light and their shadow as well, which depending on time we can go into. Mm. Um, So the third one that I see in you is the entertainer. Mm -hmm. So the entertainer is here to make people feel, whether it's laugh, cry, think, ponder. And they play so many different roles that it's almost like they walk into the room and they like fit, they subconsciously fit the role that the room needs for for the energy. So mm. let's say you're walking to a room that's somber and you know it needs joy, like you'll bring that joy. Like mm. it's almost like you're like that com- energetic chameleon that can mm. fit those different roles that are really needed. So the entertainer comes alive when they're on stage, mm-hmm. when they're performing, when they're able to express their gifts. You know, Jim Carrey is such a great example of an entertainer that he literally shapeshifts into the different characters. Yeah. I feel like you have that too, right? Yes. Because of all of your TikToks and reels are so entertaining. Yes, <laughs> yes. I have that one. But you know, I didn't. It's not one of my primary ones. Like mm. it came out, like as a child, we talked about how we both love to do skits and improv. So I loved that. But I always thought, but I could never do that as a career. Mm. You know, that's too special. I have to just help the dolphins, you know? (laughs) Whereas for you, you were like, I'm going for it. Like I'm going to be an actress and that was your pathway. So I'd say entertainer, though now it's it's shifting and I think nurture is really coming up for you right now, which we'll Mm. go into. So far, I'm all of the archetypes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going on yours in order. Then we'll go to the ones that you may be less of. So so the entertainer, and and I'll just share the shadow side briefly of each of these that I've Mm. mentioned. So the entertainer's shadow side is sometimes they play so many different roles that they don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. So you 
sure you've seen mm-hmm. this in in Hollywood and just addiction is really rampant because when you don't know who you are, you feel numb and mm. you need something to get yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. If you look at people like Robin Williams, such a beautiful entertainer and we yeah. didn't know what was really going on with yeah. him. And then the shadow side of the teacher is sometimes they're so enthusiastic about what they're teaching that they're not connecting with their students. So it's like we can think about that like history professor who's like, and then the Prussian War happened and this and that and that. And it's like they might really love the topic, but they're not really connecting. So it can be kind of like, yeah, disconnected. We can think about that too much about the knowledge, not yet enough about the connection. Mm -hmm. And the shadow side of the visionary can be that you might think you know what's right for people and say that and they're not ready for it. Mm, so sometimes right. it's like you tell your friend like, hey, like your repetitive pattern in relationships is you keep dating guys that are fuckboys. And they're like, what did you say to me? Like, <laughs> I'm not going to be your friend anymore. And it's like, so the visionary really needs to learn where to share their vision. Mm. And is it invited? And is that person receptive to it? I also think like as someone that really heavily identifies with the visionary archetype, sometimes I think the shadow of that for me at least, can be living so in the future mm-hmm. that it's hard to be present. Yes. Yeah. And But part of it is like you it's, it, You need to be a bridge. But as a visionary, if you're so much in the present and so much in the day-to-day, you can't hold the vision, mm. right? So that there's a beauty to that. And at the same time, totally, if you're just like, well, this is the way that it's going. It's like, okay, how are we going to build the pathway there? Mm. That's why so many visionaries, people don't even believe them. People don't even listen to them because it's not hitting home. So there is a gift of being able to connect with people where they're at and then take them higher. Beautiful. Yeah. So the nurturer, which is definitely showing up for you. Mm -hmm. So the nurturer's dharma is all about to care and connect. Mm -hmm. So they're here to really hold space, to listen to people, to really connect heart to heart, to have conversations. But more than telling them what to do, it's to listen, just to ask them questions and hold that loving space for them to find their own answers. So a lot of nurturers go into nursing, Mm -hmm. go into, like, I'm sure your mom is a nurturer, like working at a preschool. And the beauty of the nurturers, we all need that. And it feels so good to have that love. And nurturers can also have very big careers like Oprah. Right. You know, we love her because she's able to bring that intimacy and connection, even if she's at the staple center with tons Mm. of people around her. So the shadow side of the nurture, of course, are the boundaries of wanting to just help everyone without taking care of yourself and then feeling resentful after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then the researcher, which I don't think is one of your main ones, it's not one of mine. They want the data. They want Mm. the analytics. They want the research. They want the facts. They won't believe you if you just said that. They want to know where that came from. Yeah. So they love to be in the books, into the deep dive, behind the scenes things. So they need really hard facts for them to have conversations with people. So they may go into research, science, history, um, business analytics, finance. And the gift of that is we also need research, you know, if we're all just like, no, it's this, now it's that. It's like, okay, someone needs to do the research. That's how we're going to advance science and society, et cetera. And the shadow side is, well, first of all, a lot of researchers never feel that they're ready. Mm-hmm. They always need more research and they're not ready and they're not ready that there's probably like 20 people here who have like the cure to all cancers and all diseases and all everything, but they still feel like they don't have enough research. So sometimes you need to know that it's never going to be perfect, but it's ready to come out. But Mm. there's also a gift. Like Charles Darwin's The Survival of the Fittest took him 21 years 
to develop that theory. Mm-hmm. So I think in our social media world, it's like come up with a new idea, a new one, you're going to be irrelevant if you don't keep coming up with things. But the researcher is really that like, no, it takes time yeah. and checking on things like the psychology field is very based off of the researcher's way of seeing the world. Mm. Hi, my loves. This episode is brought to you by the Yoni Pleasure Palace. So this is a place to go for all of your crystal wands, your crystal dildos, your sex toys that are more sensual and your Yoni eggs. So today I want to talk to you about this Yoni egg, the Rose Quartz Yoni egg, which is really beautiful for healing trauma inside of your vagina. And it's also going to help you strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. So really good place to start is with this little miracle egg right here. Go to yonipleasurepalace.com, use the code MELISSA to get 25% off your entire order. It's the best discount you will find online. And without further ado, let's get on with the show. Is that all of the archetypes? There's a couple more. So we have the warrior, which Mm. I see you have that one. The warrior (laughs) is, but that's not, I wouldn't say your main one, but it's kind of like your eight Enneagram. Okay. okay. So the warrior, think like a Tony Robbins, like they're here to motivate people and bring them up and like go to battle and charge. They're very in their bodies. A lot of people who go into fitness Mm, tend to be warriors. They want, they need to have a goal. Like, where are we going? And they want to do it as a team. And they want the camaraderie. And, like, something about that really gets them excited. So Mm. people who go into the military often, um, police force, et cetera, because they they feel like their energy is best used on that. The shadow side is they can be very black and white. Mm -hmm. You know, just like, well, this is what the team is doing, so we got to go there. Mm -hmm. Um, So a lot of politicians have this as well. Another of the archetypes is the activist. So the activist is really here about the greater cause. So like Marianne Williamson and Mm -hmm. Greta Thunberg and many others. And I believe we went through all of them now. So people can take the quiz on dharmaarchetypequiz.com. And we're all all of the archetypes, but in different variations. And Mm. different ones pop up in different places of your life. But I'd say it's the best place to start. Because if you don't really know what your dharma is, you can see yourself in an archetype that's bigger than you and see other people who are embodying it. Oh, the last one is the entrepreneur. Mm, The entrepreneur is here to create solutions to world's problems. So people like Sarah Blakely, the founder of of Spanx, or or even Natalie Ellis, like Mm -hmm. they're just such like business people and they love that and it makes them come alive. They see the world through the business lens. So Mm -hmm. it's so helpful to know your archetype. Beautiful. Yeah. I feel like there are so many in there that I strongly relate to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can imagine for people that are so confused about what they what they want to do and Mm -hmm. overwhelmed with everything it would be a great place for them to start yes yeah I definitely feel like nowadays with social media it's easy to get overwhelmed and maybe see other people Mm -hmm. online that we think well they look so happy they must be living their dharma that must be mine too right what would be your advice for that if people find themselves like often comparing or kind of Is it quite common for someone to go, well, I really like who I follow Mm -hmm. and I want to do what they do Mm -hmm. without kind of checking in with themselves? Yeah. And it's coming from a really natural place of like, as humans, we learn from the time we're children of monkey see, monkey do. So we're like, Mel looks happy. So what's Mel's business like? Okay. That seems to be one that's working, but Mel has completely different karma than you, Mm -hmm. completely different ancestral lineage than you, completely different soul plan, 
everything. So because it's working for Mel, it doesn't even work for me. And I'm also doing very similar things to you, but we do it in totally different ways. So I think you can't go wrong. You can try it, but you're probably going to get some resistance in different ways. And that failure is going to be your feedback. And Mm. and if you can keep listening to that, you'll find what works for you. So I would say your desires are sacred. So if you are drawn to like, let's say you're really looking up to coaches, there's probably a reason why you're looking up to coaches, but that doesn't mean because this person's business model is they do webinars, webinars are the thing, or this person does ads, ads are the thing. And you're going to go through a trial and error to find yours. Right. And it may be that you follow that path of coaching yeah. and it actually leads you on to something completely different. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So trust, if it feels expansive for you, I always say the best way to make a decision is tune into your body. If it feels expansive and what does expansive feel like for you? So when you feel into the energy of expansiveness, what does that feel like for you somatically? Mm, it feels like an opening. It feels like a freedom. Mm-hmm. feels like a greatness mm-hmm. and excitement mm-hmm. and a little bit of like um like goosebumps in the body a little tingles mm. yeah. love that so that's your compass that's your north star mm. so if you feel into the energy of contraction what does that feel like for you like stuck stagnant energy mm-hmm. yeah like tightness feels like i'm getting smaller rather than bigger it feels mm-hmm. like i'm limiting myself mm-hmm. feels like a stuckness mm-hmm. yeah so if I started listing things that may work for someone else, like run a bunch of Facebook ads. Like, what does your body say? I mean, I could do the Facebook ads, but okay, I'm not, so there's like, some, I'm not there's like some lit up by it. So, <laughs> like, so you might be that. like, okay, there's a little bit of expansiveness at the possibility of that. So I'll yeah, go there. Yeah. But then it might say, okay, um, go and record a million videos tomorrow and then that might be like oh no that's going to feel contractive and then you find this feels expansive and you start to use your body as the compass Mm -hmm. so for example i know people who just the idea of coming on live for things it feels really contractive for them they don't want to be live they want things to be recorded they want to have a teleprompter that makes them feel safe Mm. and i know for other people that for me that feels like the most contractive thing ever right but we're still making we can make the exact same videos but in different ways so tuning into how the body would respond and even like within this industry i imagine there's a lot of people listening that are coaches or maybe want to be coaches or even just are inspired by coaches and Mm -hmm. i want to say there's also like so many different ways that you can do that you know I started out doing one-on-one coaching, which I think is how everyone starts mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like I'm living my dharma way more by doing big groups, mm-hmm. podcasts. That's your events, visionary. Yeah. Retreats. And for me, when I think about doing like a full day of one-on-one, that feels now contracting mm-hmm. to me. Totally. And I believe that for all coaches, we really should start with one-on-one just because if we don't know how to hold space for one person, we energetically can't hold space for a group That's true. and then take that transformation online. So a hundred percent, I was a one-on-one coach for like seven years and sometimes I'll one-on-one coach with like my students just for fun to see what Mm -hmm. it is. And I'm like, Oh, this is like a fun experience, but it's never going to be my day to day again, because I know as a visionary, my gifts are best served to inspire groups of people. Whereas I know people who are multiple seven figure coaches who will only do one-on-ones and it's that they they love love it it. Mm -hmm. because it, it, for them, it feels like they're on the ground and they know what people are feeling and they feel connected to people Mm. because they have more of the nurturer archetype. 
life in them. Mm. So it's just knowing what serves you. Then people like Joe Dispenza, who I don't think he really does coaching. He's doing research and that's Mm. what's exciting for him. And then like Deepak Chopra, the same thing. It's very more in the researcher, more in the masculine. So Mm -hmm. there's so many different ways to share a message and to create transformation. It's just finding what serves you right now. Yeah. Beautiful. And I feel like now with reels and all the different ways that we Mm -hmm. can share content, people's inner entertainers are coming out as well. There's there's so many different ways people can express themselves. Totally. Because before it was like, you know, I would do these apps that I would lip sync, but I didn't have anyone to share them with. So then I kind of just would only do them for fun sometimes. Mm. But now that I have that option that it can be part of my business, I'm I'm using more of my entertainer muscle than I would have before yeah. if I wasn't able to use it in my business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting for me actually as someone who was an actress, the whole like TikTok real thing hasn't it hasn't been something that's like really drawn me in. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think, wow, like, I guess it was never the acting itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it was something else. It was Or you might time. love you love a set. We're here on this beautiful I do love set. A set. You love a set. <laughs> you probably want to feel like ready and you're it's like your performance right whereas mm. whereas I used to be on the improv team mm. so that's like a very different energy than like memorizing acts and like lines mm. and acting so yeah, yeah maybe I like that yeah that's true I do get a lot still from storytelling and mm-hmm. sharing and making people feel yes um but maybe yeah that's true yeah 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 and also sometimes too when you're in an archetype for so long you're like I want to explore the different parts of myself Mm. so maybe right now you're like I did the entertainer thing for a really Mm -hmm. long time I want to explore you know the other forms of entertainment that are possible for me which Mm. your book and beyond so I'd love if you can share with us a little bit about Dharma Coaching Institute I know this is like a real soul project of yours. Can mm-hmm. you tell us what inspired you to to birth this institute for people? Mm. So I was doing a breathwork practice and it was right before my book, Discover Your Dharma came out. And it just hit me so clearly, you can't do this alone. And I'm someone who does everything alone, you know? So I'm like, I'll figure things out. I'll just do it. I'll save the world. Like it's on me. I'm good. <laughs> and And the message that came through is these tools are not just for you to share. They're for the collective. And they can really be applied to anyone. It's like the Dharma blueprint. I was telling you yesterday that I was literally assigned to Dharma coach a random stranger who had no idea who I was. She was not part of my audience and she was a former nurse. And I used this framework on her and like within 20 minutes, we discovered her Dharma. So I took these frameworks and these tools that channel through me. I don't believe they came from me. I believe they're from the collective that are here to just be a part of our society. And I coach people into using them in their own practices. Mm -hmm. So it's been so incredible to witness the transformations that have happened. One of our students, Rebecca, she joined just to learn more about her own purpose. She never thought she could be a coach. She was 46 years old. Her son had gone through a really bad heroin addiction for over 10 years, and her daughter was in a really dark place in a dark depression, and she had just gone through a divorce. So she was just like, I need to figure out who I am because my entire life has been has gone to taking care of my children. And finally, her son had become stable. So she dove into the experience and at first so much imposter syndrome, so much, who am I to even be here? And every week I would see she would get more confident and she would share and she would speak. And then she started to practice coach people. And now she has a full fledged business coaching mothers who've overcome hardship 
to find their purpose. Wow. And it's just stories like that, that you just see that that person's obstacles, their pain, the thing that felt like, I can't let anyone know this about me actually is the thing that they get to share, that they get to make part Mm. of their purpose. So it has been so incredible to witness the transformations of, of all sorts, people quitting corporate jobs that they've had for decades and stepping into their truth, people overcoming anxiety and depression and, and beyond. So it's such a powerful portal of transformation, whether you want to become, it's both a spiritual life coach and a soul purpose coach, or if you're just looking for your next thing to dive into for your own spiritual growth practice. Beautiful. Yeah. So would you say then that this, because it's a certification as well, Mm -hmm. is this something that certifies people to become life purpose dharma coaches? Coaches, Yes. Okay. But it's also something for people that are already coaches. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're already a coach, let's say you're a health coach or a yoga teacher and you're I know I, you felt this. It's like when you're a health coach, you're like, this isn't really about the food. Like this is about yeah. the emotions behind the food. And even our physical manifest, our physical symptoms are manifestations of what's going on in our soul. For myself, I went through perimenopause when I was 21 years old. I didn't get my period for over two years. Wow. And I was prescribed many hormone replacement therapy, antidepressants, IBS, SIBO medication, every form of medication possible. And they said, you're never going to be able to have a children. You're probably going to be handicapped by the time you're 50 years old. And that's what brought me onto the journey of self-healing. And I later realized that I was so disconnected from my feminine. I was so afraid of my feminine that I literally manifested to stop producing estrogen. So that's really what brought me into my journey of spirituality and Ayurveda and diving Mm. deeper into the mind-body connection. So I know there are so many like health coaches and yoga teachers and mindset coaches who know it's deeper, it's in the soul, but they just might not know the tools to be able to support someone in that. So Mm. you can dive into Dharma coaching and also increase your rates by average of 25% by having it. Mm, Beautiful. I love that. And we actually have a discount as well for our listeners. I believe the code is MEL. Yes. And you'll get $100 off. Perfect. For joining. Yeah. And people can just head over to the website, dharmacoachinginstitute.com whenever they're listening to this and learn more about it. Check out the video, see the testimonials and yeah, just see what's possible. Yeah. We're going to link all that in the show notes as well. So Sahara, my love, what is something that you are loving right now? Mm, What am I loving? You know, I'm loving the friendships. It feels Mm. so good to be here in Miami and, and just witnessing what a portal this has been of so many incredible queens it's brought into my life. And I'm so excited after this to go to dinner with you and, and Taylor and Monique and just female friendships to me are so important and something I'm, I'm always wanting to cultivate more, more depth, more time. Mm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Um, something that turns you on. Mm. For me, feeling turned on really comes from being dropped into the body and out of the mind. So when I dance, like it's not even, it's not for the other person, it's for me. So that Mm. really helps me just like drop in and feel myself, especially when you're running a business and doing all the things like we talked about in your after dark episode. So for me, just like getting on the floor and moving my hips and gyrating and Mm. dancing. I love belly dancing. I love twerk. I love pole, all of it. And that makes me super turned on. I'm like yes. feeling myself. And you're so good at it. <laughs> Everyone's feeling turned on. <laughs> and a recent time you experienced magic. Mm. 
So I shared in the After Dark episode that I was randomly assigned to this girl and just the coincidences of us having such similar journeys. So that was such a magical moment. And, you know, for me, just being here in this reality, like looking out into the ocean every single day and being like, wait, is this my life? Like I used to live with my grandma and have no money and Mm -hmm. like no friends and no idea what was going to happen in my life. At some point I had to leave the U.S. because I didn't even have enough money to live in the U.S. And I lived in a $2 a night hut in India that had rats in it. (laughs) So I'm like, what? This So just the magic of what's possible when you continue to commit to your dharma, Mm -hmm. even if you have no proof it's going to happen. You know, you're like, is this a thing I'm making up in my mind or is this real? But when you keep trusting and keep trusting and saying yes to the opportunities that are showing up right now, even if you don't know if this where this is going to take you, the journey that you can be on, it truly is the most magical experience. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Well, my love, it's been such an honor to have yeah. you on the show. Mm. Thank you so, so much. And we're going to head into our membership community now with a few more questions from our beloved goddesses. Yes. So... Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So my loves, I hope that you loved that episode. If you did, please do share it on Instagram. I would love to see your story tags of you listening to the episode. We love to hear which episodes you guys have loved the most. Please also make sure that you leave us a juicy review on Apple iTunes or the podcast app because that means so much to me and it really helps this podcast spread far and wide. So thank you so much for listening. I love you. I hope your week is filled with love, sex, and magic. And I'll see you next time.